This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You ready? Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and I'm here with the guys from the Workford Podcast for part two, part two, the part two crossover. But before we get to that, let's take care of a little business, okay? What do you say? Number one, Total Boat. Total Boat is fantastic. Go to TotalBoat.com. They make adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds. They're a company that started for boaters and DIYers, and they would make beautiful stuff for your projects. Um, they have uh, epoxies and resins and, and uh, the great two-part epoxies. I just use their two-part epoxies for my handle scales, for my knives. I love it, and I love the paint. I love the containers because it's very user-friendly for small amounts and large amounts. So definitely go to TotalBoat.com. Put in promo code FULLBLAST10. You're going to get 10% off your order. Guys like Keith Deason and Keith Johnson, every single Keith, Keith, Keith Mitchell, Derek Vermalden, Jimmy Duresta, they're all using Total Boat, and you should too. And that crazy guy, Ben Paik, at Wobie Design, make a great bicycle out of compressed skateboards that he held together with Total Boat. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for you. So go to TotalBoat.com, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, get yourself that 10% off, okay? got that right we're gonna get some axe wax for your axe go get yourself some axe wax axewax.us put in promo code full blast 10 for great all natural food safe wax for your axe for your wood for your handles for your steel i just got a friend of mine sent me a carbon steel knife to give a to give a little bit of a spa day too and i finished it off with some axe wax i put on a little axe wax on the carbon steel blade hit it with the heat gun wiped it down and i know that it's going to be safe and sound and it's food safe so i ain't gonna be any petroleum byproducts to make things icky you know what i'm saying and if you're in the uk go to UKKnifesupplies.com. uh toby's going to take care of you with full blast 10 if you're in australia the guys at nordicedge.com.au will take care of you with full blast 10 ps many many thanks to nordic edge .com.au. They sent me this file guide that is a just a dynamite file guide. Thank you so much. And big shout out to Saucy, Sausage Man Forge. You are the man, Jamie. I, I'm with you. And if you're in the UK, no, if you're in the EU, uh, Keith Colby over at KnifeMaterial.at will take Full Blast 10. Definitely get yourself some Axe Wax. And if you save 10% off, get yourself some more. You know what I'm saying? All right. There you go. All right, Axe Wax. Now we have to think about your website, and I have some things to talk to you about, about AK Interactive. Andreas Kalani runs AK Interactive. That's akinteractive.com slash full blast, and he's making websites. He's fixing websites. He's doing it just like on consultants situation, and he's ready to help you fix your website. With 20-plus years of experience, he's done marketing and branding for corporations before becoming a knife maker. He knows how to design and fix your websites and your corporate identity and your entire company branding, like logos and stuff. He'll figure out a way to make you a mobile-friendly website that you can update through your phone. He designed beautiful websites for Steve Schwarz or Mike Tyree and Charlie Lionheart. And now he's going to be doing that, plus he's working on something special, and I'm going to help him out when he is up and running. But if you should definitely go follow Andreas Kalani, because he's going to start a small school. 
in California, and it's going to be called AK University. So go check out what he's up to because it's really cool. He's a great guy. He and I were on the, on the phone last week. We're going to figure out ways in which we can help Andreas Kalani, especially with AK University. Did some one-on-one classes, two-person classes, making knives, leather sheaths, Kydex. He does all of it. So forging and stock removal. He's going to be doing a lot of stuff. So go check out what he's up to. Follow AndreasKalani.com. Uh, follow Andreas Kalani on Instagram and get yourself a new website. He's going to do it. So akinteractive.com slash full blast. And if you do sign up, you'll get 10% off as a listener of the Full Blast podcast. And last but not least, I have to thank my friends at Broadbeck Ironworks. They sent me this beautiful, beautiful surface grinder that's been really helpful to me. They are a great company, and I'm ha- they sent me this as a, as a friendly gesture, and I just wanted to kind of make it up to them by talking about how great Broadbeck is. Their attachments are very user-friendly. They're very, very versatile. You can use those grinders for, uh, horizontal and vertically. They're really great. They have leather sewing machine equipment. They have... All sorts of, and they have a new uh, uh, sharpening uh, machine that's going to be really great, and they are terrific. So if you go to broadbackironworks.com and you put in the promo code Knife Talk, you'll get upgraded to the Mareco Platin, and the Mareco Platin is awesome if you're going to do handle carving or handle sculpting or whatever you want to call it. It's just it's got a deep throat. It's awesome. And if you don't have a Broadback and you want to use their attachments, their attachments are very very intuitive. So go get yourself some of that broadbackironworks.com. And thank you once again to the guys at Broadbeck uh, for all your support, okay? I had such a good time last week at the Work For It podcast. What I'm telling you, the listener now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I want you to press stop. And I want you to go to the Work For It podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and listen to our episode. Oh, listen to all their episodes. They're all their episodes are great. It's a great podcast, especially your maker learning about business and whatever whatever i was on last week we had such a good time as soon as we ended up i said hey let's why don't you come over here and we'll do part two so if this is your first time listening to this this is you're still okay but if you want to have a little bit of backstory go to the work for it podcast listen to my episode and the other episodes and then this is a continuation and my guests today are brian house and brian cohen of Beco knives and guys welcome to the full blast podcast Thanks for having us, Jeff. It's yeah, been, man. It's, this is like number three for me, I think, on uh, the full blast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have fun. I, I, you know, it's, this podcast has become fun for me. And I, and I basically just talk to people either I haven't talked to and I want to talk to, or, or sometimes I kind of need just like some, I call the, I would refer to this as a chill out episode. You're a part of the chill out crew where i don't have to do as much heavy lifting so i'm always like i have a couple of them coming in and i have some other ones that are i'm going to be preparing for but i i do enjoy on a personal level the chill out episodes and brian house is part of the chill out episode crew <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm I feel about like... ready to drop a bomb right now just to to get us all out of our comfort zones i got a text message this morning from ben butler who is also a co-host on our show um, and he he sometimes makes it, sometimes doesn't make it onto the show. But um, have you seen this drama going on with um, Daniel Dunlop? He's like a woodworker, and he he got into like kind of an argument with a bigger company over kind of like nothing. But it, it started into this whole thing where it snowballed now into people who are siding. You know, most of these people on Instagram are going to side with Daniel because you know he's one of these guys that uh, he's a member of the maker community and there's been some backlash from 
quote unquote professional people who look at other makers. They look down at other makers because they're working out of their garages. Hmm. So they're they're basically saying like, don't listen to this guy. He's you know he's just making stuff in his garage. You know he's just he's a hobbyist. I wouldn't listen to them. And the the controversy that is going on and it's very public. And I'm somewhere like right on the in the middle of the fence on this thing is that um, the owner of of this bigger company kind of attacked him a little bit publicly. Attacked Ben, and then now he's. Uh, not Ben, but uh, Daniel Dunlop, and 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 said basically like you don't know what you're talking about because you work out of your garage. There's been a couple of other people of notable notable people that have had the same kind of uh, attitude towards people who may or may not be quote unquote professionals. And I wanted to hear you know your side of things because you know we all started in our garages. I mean that's kind of where we are. As a maker community, it's easy to get stuck in the Instagram bubble right. where you're like, you know, you see all these people doing all this amazing stuff and they're making great content. Ninety two percent, ninety five percent of them all work in a two car garage, you know, out of their house because that's that's what where they are, or what they can afford to do. Do you guys think that that uh, takes away from their credibility as makers? Look at you! You're just shooting. A, you're just as soon as you get on, you just. <laughs> you thought you were going to be able to sit back, kick your feet no. up, not even. You're just going to breathe easy in this entire show. I want to know. I mean, I have my own shop now. Yeah. Like I have a professional space. Uh, I know you do too, uh, Jeff. But Brian, you know, you're still kind of you're. We're. I talk about this all the time. That the rise up of Brian Cohn. He's somewhere, which is why I love having him on the podcast because he's that guy in his not garage, but similar situation where he's <laughs> <than> making <laughs> worse than a garage. He's in a shed and he's trying to make a go of it. He's a full timer, though. You know that to me, it's like why I just when I think of this scenario, and you can go figure this out. Who I'm talking about? I'm not going to say any names other than Daniel Dunlop. You can go find him on Instagram, and you can kind of like see the explosion going on over there. It's very public, but. In my head, the way I see it is, of course, the maker community is going to support Daniel, and they're going to support his side of things. And it makes sense because that's basically the playground he's in. That's the sandbox he's in, um, and it's a little bit of the Lord of the Flies situation going on. And I dislike the way that the owner of this other company approached the situation. He's going to find out, and he already is finding out, how bad a backlash from the maker community can be. However... I just I'm on the fence and the reason is is because I think if he would have approached it a little differently he would have been he would have been able to um get a little bit more movement out of out of his side of the argument rather than just saying you know you and all your uh he he said all you guys in your garages with your snapback ball caps and your you know and basically just called everybody like you know um Flea bags. What he call called that? everybody like, flea bags. Yeah, j- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just he I did. I mean, he just like was a hot. Are you sure this wasn't was me. Hard sure to this read. Wasn't, this guy was this wasn't me <laughs> making all sorts of generalizations about how people you. are. Okay, okay. I think it's a great topic of conversation. And it actually dovetails into before we before you came on what uh um Brian Cohn and I I'm gonna call you B Cohn just to make the Brian and Brian yeah, thing good. confuses me. So B Cohn and I yeah. were talking about it. It's fascinating to me, just in, in terms of, number one is, why does this guy have, what does this guy have to do 
he's not busy enough that he needs to be on the well, internet to write threatened. things. I think uh. hands down, if you look at the comment and read all of the backlash from it, like where he's attacking all these other people now too, he's definitely feeling from an entrepreneur standpoint, he's got to be feeling some sort of the competition, the, the walls are closing in on him, or maybe he just had way too many cocktails that night and decided he was Mix just going to just blow up on the right. internet or something. And shit like that I mean, that who happens. knows? It can happen, but it, man, you make one ma- bad mistake like that, and it can be devastating to your business. Yeah. And I just think it was handled in poor taste. However, the real subject matter, I think, of that is, you know, do you lose credibility just because you, of the location in which you make things? I mean, I, now, I personally think that's has nothing to here's, do with Here's my take on it. So, Yes, it is really incredibly stupid for a large company to punch down on small little itty bitty makers like us. Of course, I'm I'm super biased because I'm one of those itty bitty makers being punched down on. So like, you know, take my shit with a giant grain of salt. But you know, I mean, if if his argument is, can you make things of quality? Well, of course you can. You you can spend a lot of time on a single piece to make quality work. Can you make a gigantic quantity like a larger company can no you can't so i guess are you are you picking and choosing your battles here are you are you good at you know making some really high-end nice pieces yes of course you are are you capable of making ten thousand of the same thing over and over over again yeah probably but not not to the level of you know one of those giant factories i mean his argument is that your opinion doesn't matter because you're not a professional, quote unquote, because you haven't made you know thousands and thousands of one thing. Um, that's where that's kind of like how, how he's leveraging his ar- argument is. And and back, by the way, he had another person come on there and kind of fight a battle for him too. That gave some really good information about their product, and it's a coating. So if you can imagine, it's a coating. And and they they you know I'm reading this and I'm looking at this I don't own any of these jars of things that these guys sell so I don't, I'm totally not biased in any way other than I'm an entrepreneur and I make things so I can kind of see like his side of things where he's bothered by people commenting on his product but then at the same time it's like why are you even getting involved yeah if you have this company you're you know you're it just reeks of desperation to me. And I, that could be totally wrong, but then all the wolves are now coming out. And of course they're defending Daniel. I mean, and rightly so, you know, he didn't even, Daniel didn't even tag this company. It was like, this guy came out of nowhere. Like it was just like, somebody asked a question. He said, I prefer this product over that product. And then the owner of that product just blew up on him. I mean, it, it, that's where I'm like, now that, whoa, like, why did this Now happen? we have a new interesting conversation because that particular, that particular moment is more interesting to me because I do see guys who are reviewing products with no skin in the game. When I say skin in the game, there's a lot of guys who are, who are up and start. I think working out of your garage, I mean, you could talk about Jeff Bezos talk about bill gates you talk about steve jobs they all started out in garages so let's just cut that shit out right i mean you gotta start somewhere right there's a when i say skin in the game there's a lot of people who skirt regulation they skirt the government they skirt their their you know paying taxes 
they skirt paying for uh, for on, their employees and unemployment and all the things you have to do to to, to be in business. And then they become these experts, you know, using social media as the avenue to spotlight their expertise without any skin in the game, right? So they just go online and they say, this is, the product is good and they're an influencer and this, is, this product's good and that's product good. People talk about shit products all the time. Guys who are in their garage saying, this is garbage and this is... Now, if I was a medium, if I had a small business... I mean, not a small business, a medium, let's say medium business, medium sized business, got employees, I, you know, I'm well known and maybe I'm like a, I'm on the third tier down at Home Depot, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the bottom, they, they put me down the bottom, yeah, I'm behind some boxes in Home Depot and then somebody says, how do you feel about Fader's whatever, let's just say my, his screwdrivers, I suck, go get yourself a Stanley, fuck that guy, that kind of like, I would be irritated if I was getting chirped at by guys without any skin in the game. If I was, you know, trying to create my business and do what I'm supposed to do to make sure that I got people going and then I had some dude, I'll just say what the guy said, I had some dude in a cowboy hat or a trucker hat in his garage chirping at how my product sucks. I might have a couple cocktails too and go full 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 You saw me go, you saw me on Instagram live. I went fucking haul. I hauled ass on someone. I might do that too if I was that guy. I'd have a couple of drinks and let loose. Because I mean, but that that doesn't make that a good decision as a you know a larger creator. Like you know you know no. Think about how much shit he's going to be getting because well, they he's, don't they don't you know, think about that. They think that these guys sure, in the garages sure. are just like you know, you know jerking off it on their cigarette breaks. They don't. <laughs> I don't think they understand. They're usually not really in, you know, connected. They're not going, like, Total Boat goes to Maker Camp. Total Boat goes to all these events. They interact with the maker community. They know these people. They know all these people, and, and they understand mm-hmm. the value of these people. Now, Total Boat could make products just for, you know, to sell professionally. They don't need to sell it to me and all these other guys. So, the, I mean, they're making the effort to kind of deal with the maker community. Now, this guy, whoever he is, he don't, maybe don't give a fuck. I think they should, though. I mean, Total Boat is a company that you should look at in in regards to. Congratulations on the sponsorship, by the way. That's that's awesome. Um, they, that company is one of those companies that you look at from the standpoint of they saw the value in the market and and realized if we want to grab a piece of that market, we're going to have to start working with people of influence. And again, like you said, you know, there are people out there that shouldn't, you know, they're talking out of school and there's a whole lot of that that goes on, uh, in the influencer uh, program. I will say the maker community in particular is very good at sniffing out the fakes and they're very good at kind of, um, seeing, you know, uh, who's, who's not actually genuine. And then they're very good at supporting the people who are genuine. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had people come after my product and say certain things about the things that I make and whatever else, too. And my first question to them, I don't get mad. I inquire. I say, when did you build it? When did you look? When did you use it? Do you own one? Oh, um, I've never had someone bash my stuff that says, well, I own one. Or I built it, or whatever. They, there's nobody out there that's, uh, and, and maybe I'm inviting that. But at the same time, I think if <laughs> the avalanche <laughs> if, of comments, the the shit posts are just gonna come. Yeah, right? like oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, but it, at the same time, I'm I'm like, okay, well, just give me your, 
you know, when did, well, well, you know, when I say that, when did you use it or, or did you own one? They'll say no, uh, or they won't respond at all, which tells me they don't own one. So that's the first step. And then they know where I'm going with it. And then some people are like, well, I saw a picture of it and I have a buddy who has one or whatever. And it's just like, well, what's his name? Can I talk to them? Cause I'd really like to get deeper in. I have the luxury of being able to do that. Cause I'm really a small company. But at the same time, like these bigger companies like this guy, there's legit people making reels on Instagram right now, taking his product and walking it over to a trash can and throwing it away like a full jar of it. And I'm like, ooh, that's got to hurt. It's stinging, you know, really, really a lot. Um, You know, and again, you know, this this particular situation is not good for either. I I just don't think it's a it's a positive thing at all for the maker community. I think kind of drumming this kind of thing up is a little bit. My, not my style, not my gig. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, if, if an owner of a company did that to me, I'd want to like have a, maybe a private conversation. This is not really so much private. Even if they brought it publicly to me, I would slide into their DMs and say like, Hey, yeah. you know, let's, let's discuss this. Let's take this to more of a professional uh, level. But, uh, you know, this is where we're at. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up by the way. And Jeff, uh, just not to switch gears, but right on you. But this uh, oyster knife piece that you did on mm-hmm. uh, Instagram on Facebook, yeah. that is a classic, beautiful video piece that is going to hopefully do really well for you from a marketing standpoint. I got to tell you, man, like you, a couple things. You lost some weight. You look That's great. Right. I know. I'm, I don't mean to comment All on right. your weight, but I know you've been working on it, and you're just you're blowing up. When I see your stuff, I think to myself, that's Jeff Fader's piece. You can't miss it. Beautiful colors, beautiful names for everything. The marketing is on point. And that uh, Instagram piece that you did, I think you released on uh, Facebook, too, was just so well done. I mean, how, tell me a little bit about this. Like, did you come up with this or how did it How did it? Happen? This is fascinating. And I'll, t- I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you all of it. I do want to circle back to your first thing. That's you do this Brian, we have this conversation, and then we're, I'm ready to fucking keep going. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's just like, let's talk about your video. We're coming back because I have, a, I actually have a little bit of a segue into something else I want to talk about. So, I have really kind of made it my decision, especially a number of years ago when I took on my business partner, who happens to be a very, very close friend. We have a good time together. We work together. My my friend Tony Ayatsi. We when we work together, we. We just understood what we needed to do, but at the same time, we weren't nickel and diming each other, and we had to have fun. So throughout this whole experience, I wanted, I felt that this business will be great, but it will also, if it isn't fun for the two of us, like when I'm making each other laugh and do all this, all this stuff, then it's kind of like, I don't want to make him not enjoy it either, or me. So we've been doing fun colors and fun this and we've been having we have these really are actually i i kind of am getting to the point where we might start taping our uh our uh we have a zoom meeting once a week with uh this awesome person who works for us uh uh allison she they're so funny that it's just like this could be the podcast and then i can we could double dip and so we just try to come up with these ideas and we I, we were talking we at one point we were doing newsletters and I, nobody reads a newsletter and I just started saying I Tony wanted to make me laugh so he him he making me laugh he does things that no he knows it'll annoy me and then 
Allison will say, do you really want this in there? And I said, I know that Tony's trying to annoy me and that makes me laugh. So we're keeping it. So we have this, everything's an inside joke. So the, the newsletters have become more and more outrageous and I, I enjoy writing very much and the newsletters have been outrageous and they've been, I got it yesterday. The newsletter, it came out yesterday, right? Yes. The last one about the, uh, hinge firecracker, which is the, uh, the, the hinge cracker oyster, oyster shutter, right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 that's it. And um, so when I get these emails, though, I have a question for you. This is the first thing that pops into my head is who is Anvil Martillo? Okay. That was – that was – that was – Because it comes from that, that was, person. I'll tell you. When we first start, and this is the first and only time I'm going to say this. When we first came up with the business, we didn't want – Tony didn't want people to know that it was him. So we came up with like a oh. basically info at Fader Knives. And we just came up with a name. He was like, let's Ooh. just do this. And we kept it there. So we just kept the, we kept the email. And people were, and, we, and at one point in the beginning, we actually created an Instagram account. And then we, it got like uncomfortable. So we, we stopped it. And then hmm. we just, that is, that is, our, that is our business. I, it is not me. I don't deal with the emails. But it is our. So this is like a. What do they call that? Like a ghost right. writer? It's like it's like the info at Fader Knives, but it's like a person because we wanted there to be. It's a person. I get it. Okay. Well, that's cool. I'm glad yeah, I asked no, that. No, actually, that's it really was already, super it was, interesting. It's been, a, it's been this has been the first time we've actually said it. Once in a while, someone will figure it out because, but then it's just it's enough. It's a you know nothing thing, and and we just didn't really want to change it. So, um, so one day we were, and then for the, for the newsletters. We come. We we started. I so I said to Tony. I said nobody cares about quotes. Quotes are the word. Anybody who writes a quote, they attribute it to themselves, and it's just ridiculous. And God bless you if you'd like quotes. I'm with you. But like I started making jokes about people write quotes, and then he started making quotes, and then he started attributing them to people that weren't that didn't write the quotes. And I started to think that was funny because he knew he was trying to annoy me. So then we just kept going. So now every newsletter, it's. An outrageous quote, not by the person. There was one I did. Ben Snoor was one of the guys who got one of the you know quotes, and then I did one for Nolan Ryan today. And so, did Nolan Ryan no, really say not. this? No, because the, always no, swing no. at pitches. No, I was like, no. what? Why See, would no, he say so that? That makes no is, sense. The best part is, is like people aren't reading it, and people don't actually know. So we're now making up quotes and then attributing to them. To, it, we did one that was like. That was supposed that we try to think it was for Gandhi, and then Tony wrote underneath it from Skinny G. He wrote Skinny G. They're outrageous. <laughs> They're totally outrageous. And then I write, and then as I'm writing, I get annoyed, and then I just kind of like put my annoyance into the newsletter, and it's like they. I'm getting so much messages about people who love the writing. So I've always loved writing. Yeah, yeah. So we decided that we let me go ahead. Uh, can I ask you? Go more, ahead. Uh, I, so from a business perspective. Like, I love this whole thing because I don't do newsletters, right. really. I have a big list. Like, I have almost 10,000 people on my list, but I don't ever hit them up. And um, so is it worthwhile business-wise? Your, your customers are different than mine because a lot of my customers aren't makers. A lot of my customers aren't on Instagram. Uh, 
So a, they're chefs. A lot. And, well, they're just yeah. people. Or like, I got old ladies who we se- we send uh, a, a, a we. There's one. There's one old lady. We send her a letter. We print it up, and we every time we always send it to her. She loves the. She loves them. I hope she doesn't read these new ones. I'm talking about all sorts of crazy stuff. But I mean, <laughs> they're not people. And a lot of them. A lot of my comp. A lot of my. Uh, a lot of people aren't in Instagram. So they're, or they're not makers. So they wouldn't really. It works. It works. It, it's a lot of people who, a lot of famous people too that don't really are on Instagram. So it's it, it 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 helps, and we don't do it all the time. Like, I know friends of mine who have big companies, and they're sending three fucking emails a day, which is like uh, lose yeah. my phone number. It's too much. But it. Yeah, it but is, so we yeah, do it very 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 seldom, and then and then so. We're writing them. We're getting great responses from the newsletter, and people like the newsletter. So we started to think about things we could do. And I have a friend who has a local business, and he's a uh, he makes video content, but he does it for himself. And I asked him if he wanted to do a video for me. And then I came up with the idea in the meeting. I said, we, we could do how to shuck oysters, and then I could do this dish that I've been doing. I've been sending out a lot. People have been just like crushing this dish, crushing this oyster dish. Mm-hmm. And I came up with the idea, and I talked to him about it, and I said, I don't want to do a long-form YouTube video. I want to do... And then he's very into Instagram Reels, and he says, let's do one just for Instagram Reels. It'll be fun. We'll yeah. do it quickly, and then it will pack a pile in, and then we'll figure out a way to make it so you're not filming all day. So I, I he came in. I figured out ex- I figured out how I wanted it to... You know, I want A, B, and C in there and then he was filmed for two hours, and he put it together, and he did an awesome job. And now I went over to his house, and he optimized it on my phone for you know Instagram Reels. And then uh, I said to him, and then Tony and Allison loved it, and they were just like, we got to do more. And I asked him if he wants to do more, yeah. and he said, yeah, I'd love to. And it was a lot of fun. And I made it, like I said, when I was talking about with, with uh, Tony and Allison, I made it easy for him and fun. And that was like the reason why I want to come back. So, so you have two reels on your Fetter Knives Instagram right. feed. One, the first one has four thousand right. views. That's from a while ago. And then this piece that you just released has fifteen point three thousand well, views. So you can see the power well, of this thing. I mean, that's, I'm that's dumb huge. because I didn't realize I set up Fetter Knives on Instagram as a professional account, so I couldn't use music. And then, so on just regular Jeff Fader, no, I wanted can. to have, I want to do the radio stuff. For me, it's fun to do this and do radio stuff. So I just wanted yeah. to do, um, I wanted to have the music, so I switched it over, and now I can do the real. So, and now, you know, okay. and then we don't have to talk about Instagram the whole time, but I mean, obviously, we, we all know that there's been a change in the algorithm, and we're getting fewer and fewer, fewer and fewer people are seeing what I'm doing unless you do real. So it's like the writing's on the wall or get the fuck out. You have everyone to wants to be TikTok it. now, right? right? Everyone wants to be TikTok. It's it's that's what's it's blown the, up. So everyone's doing that short form. But here's content. the problem, Brian. You'll know this because of the short attention spans that we all mm-hmm. have now, because of you know this quick media that we can flip through, and it's easy to get sucked into this. Mm-hmm. And of course, Instagram's business model means they just want you to stay on their platform. They don't want you to go anywhere. And that is, you know, the thing with Instagram is, is I, I fully believe in it still as a, as a marketing engine. You just got to get comfortable doing right. reels. 
You really right. do. And it's and this is a classic example, Jeff. I mean, you did a great job with this piece, and if you had fun making it, you should well, just I, make one of those twice I a month, have fun, and, but and you'll I, be good I, to go. I didn't have fun, and if you really want a Jeff Fader tell, when you see me talking through my teeth, I'm irritated. That's all. That is all. <laughs> I've seen this I want before. out. I want Somewhere. out. So, like, when I did the Epicurious video, that was seven hours. And at one point, Oof, I long. turned to Tony, who was off stage. I said, you got to get me out of here. you got to do whatever it takes to get me out of here. I can't take it anymore. And then even with J- Fred, who did a great job, I was kind of like, this two hours is a lot. I don't, I don't want to do film. I don't want to do TV. I mean, I'm going to do it if, it ca- if, if I have so the chance. It, Look, if an opportunity arises, I'm not going to say no. But at the same time, I'm not like... I don't want to start it in. I don't want to start a YouTube page. I have no interest in editing. I have no interest in any of that. It isn't yeah. fun for me. And I want to knife. I want to make knives. I have to do a little bit of something because people buy into that. They love that shit. And this was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we had a good time doing it. It wasn't too much of a commitment. Um, we paid him. I mean, he. Th- this wasn't like this wasn't like a friend doing something. He's getting he getting something. He's getting something more in the next one. But at the same time, it was like, you know, it was I got a lot of messages from chefs who I respect who I don't see very often, you know, and they, they sent some messages, which was p- pretty cool. And it's very it worked out. So it caught their attention. is it what you're out. saying. This, it worked this piece. Out. Now, you're very kind for for this. I do want to go back to what you were talking about. We were talking about originally, which was this the big guy gets attacked but you know attacks the little guy and then the you know the business and is a garage guy you know valid or anything like that and what it, it reminded me of is in the last episode we talked which was last week on the workboard podcast you asked me if i watch any tv shows and actually starting two nights ago my family went away and i'm i'm home alone so I said, ah, let's watch something. And I heard from my friend Steve Pellegrino and a few other people, there's this show on Hulu called The Bear. And it's this show, uh, it's, a, it's probably the best TV show I've ever seen. Especially, it revolves around the oh. culinary world. And it's about this guy who, he was one of the best chefs in the world, and then something happens to his brother, and he's got to take over his brother's Chicago beef sandwich shop. And it's the working in the kitchen and then how hard it is and going from the highest level with, you know, tons of, you know, business and background and, and like supports financial support system to he's, you know, he's got past bill dues and he's got, uh, you know, health inspectors coming in and he's got crazy employees and the shops a wreck. And it's just like from going to the big guy to the small guy, it's the greatest show I've ever, I mean, in terms of culinary, the culinary world, there's nothing closer to the way it's like, in, and Matty Matheson, I don't know if you know him, he's a chef, crazy chef from Canada. He's involved, and it's fucking good, really fucking good. So coming back to what you were saying, so that's the answer for your last episode I am watching the show. So the um, what you were talking about in regards to this company that was hitting uh, Brian, uh, Ben Butler and all this, or hitting these guys, and it reminded me in the restaurant world about how restaurant owners feel about Yelp reviews and food reviewers. And when you talk to people in the restaurant business, and most people in the restaurant business, even if they're a restaurateur, it's small business. Like if you're a restaurateur and you own three restaurants, 
people seem to think that you're like, you know, rolling in money. When you own a restaurant, you have a glass ceiling on how much money you can make. If you need to make more money, you can't make more business, really, unless you open up another restaurant. So then you, what you're doing is you're diversifying, and then you're making another restaurant, and then you're still at that point where you can only make so much, and bad months are bad months everywhere, and whatever. So you, you become, you see these like cash-strapped small business owners, a restaurateur, maybe not have a lot of money, but they're just kind of doing whatever it takes. If you talk to these restaurant guys, they hate Yelp reviewers who are, they say are just, you know, people who are bitching or they are entitled. They hate restaurant reviewers because most of them have never worked in a restaurant before. So they have no idea what it takes to run a small business. So who the fuck are they to tell me how I should run mine? And they make and break companies. I think this is almost very similar. This is probably what this guy thought of is I'm getting chirped at by these guys who are affecting my business and I don't think I deserve it. What do you think? I mean, if if this guy tagged this company, I think that would be that could be the situation. It was just in the comments section underneath a post, someone asks, you know, what's you know, what's your experience with both of these products? He picked one. Still didn't tag the company. Right. Nothing. Just, I mean, it was a very quiet response. However, when you have 90,000 followers on Instagram, when you say things, people read them. And, you you know, I don't know what his relationship is like with this other company or whatever. I, and, I, in fact, I, I know a little bit about there's no money exchanging hands. There's no influence here. Like, the guy doesn't get paid by either of these companies. So, it Really, he has no skin in the game. He's just He was just making a comment. Um, he's definitely playing it up now. I mean, he's really milking it for... David and, and I, I appreciate that from a... Yeah, I, I appreciate it from a marketing standpoint where it's getting eyes on everyone involved. The downside to this type of marketing, when you take the negative road instead of just being more professional and take the positive road... You invite karma to, um, to 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 point your their guns at you because you know now you're kind of mixed into this. You're you used to be on the on the lighter end of things, and now you're in the darker side of things, and you can invite a lot of negativity. And I think that that's really why a, a majority of these big companies they just like to settle things quietly because they're like, look, you you didn't have a good experience with my stuff. Give me some positive feedback. Or at least some criticism, constructive criticism, so we can make our product better. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, it didn't work out. You know, shake hands. You know, you know, right. agree to disagree. And yeah, I really instead, think that this is different. I go really ahead, think Brian. that going positive is always the way to go. I mean, there's, I mean, we kind of had a little situation come up where you know somebody burned a bridge, and you know, we instead of starting a flame war or going shitty about things, we just you know, hey. To each their own. It is what it is. If you don't like it, that's fine. But it's so un- it also seems know. very all of it seems unnecessary. Like number one totally. is, it is it seems unnecessary for the guy to say anything. It also seems unnecessary for the small guys to keep going. You know? And it's just like Yes. But it's also back to the mm, restaurant yeah. business. You know, if somebody says I went to this restaurant and I didn't like this or this was terrible or I had a bad experience there, I see these guys go after the people who write these things. And it's the same situation. There's a pizza place not too far from me. Apparently they're amazing. But like, 
they got a bad reputation for something, and then they write things, and they write things back, and all of a sudden you're just like, whoa, I think I'm going to stay away from this. I think I'm going to stay away yes, from this restaurant. Right. But I can understand the frustration of having a small business or a medium business and feeling the need of being chirped at by someone who's just saying something for really no reason. Now, I can also understand the guy's like, like I, you know, like we were saying, he might have had a couple of drinks before he wrote something, you know. But I, I can understand why somebody would be. We were talking, uh, B. Cohn and I were talking about uh, earlier before you came on, we were talking about. Uh, I deal with uh, the IRS. I deal with uh, paying quarterly taxes. I deal with paying uh, employee insurance and employee benefits, and through the through the state of New York. And I had said to to uh, B. Cone that I would say once every month I will get a letter that is unusual. And when I say it's unusual. I mean, it's like, it's not just like, thanks for, thanks for, it's never, thanks for being a good citizen. Right. It's never that. It's never. <laughs> you never get the never, positive shit. Thanks never for do. sending everything on time. It's never that. It's, it's, right. you are, you know, you forgot to pay this, this, and this, or you are, da, 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 or, and it's these very, very brusque and, you know, for a guy like me who is very, you know, neurotic anyway upsetting emails or setting setting messages and we do and i send them to tony tony sends it we have a company that pays for pay takes care of our sales tax we have a company that takes care of all the employee stuff and the paychecks we have we pay for people to do all the stuff that we're supposed to do and what happens is, is the irs or the state or whatever sometimes it's what's called uh, they send out a giant fishing net whether you deserve it or not mm-hmm. and you have to almost like prove yourself innocent as opposed to we fucked up we're, they're just trying to get they're tr- they're trying to like fish in a barrel i don't know they're trying to like get money when it's not supposed to be there i don't know how it is but we deal with it and i frankly i resent it i resent i resent it but i also resent the guys who just decide to skirt everything and pay people under the table i resent them too do you know what i'm saying Definitely, you got to follow the rules. Uh, when you when you first open a business, you think I'm going to just do it this way. You know, pay people cash, try to you know work that out. You quickly learn that that is not advantageous to you. It, it just isn't. You have you have to follow the rules and and uh, do it by the number. And the more the longer you're in business, the more money you make, the more money exchanges hands. You realize that they'll get it one way or the other. So if you can if you can mitigate it somehow by hiring the right people and putting in automations in place, which it sounds like what you've done, then that's the best way to do it. These guys who are working out of their garages and doing all that, I don't know how they handle a lot of that stuff. I will say a lot of these smaller makers, they don't fully understand. In fact, some of my vendors that have bigger cash flow than me don't fully understand like sales tax exemption and all this stuff. (laughs) I was on I was. Get, I got an invoice for my something I had bought a lot of big dollar amount of stuff, and uh, I noticed I was paying sales tax, and it was because he was buying the pro he was buying the material from a vendor and then reselling it back to me, and so 
I looked at it and I said, well, there's like seven or $800 in sales tax on here. We're sales tax exempt. Everything we do is for resale. So we don't pay, you know, we pass that on to the customer. He goes, well, I'm not exempt. And I'm like, but you're literally (laughs) buying something and reselling it to me. And he's like, right. I said, how much money do you spend with this vendor? He goes, he said, this is going to blow your damn mind. $400,000 a year. So I grabbed my phone. And I typed in that number times .07, it was like close to $30,000. I said, look, every year you're paying $30,000 that you should not be paying. And he went, huh? And I went, yeah. (laughs) All you got to do is file this piece of paper every month. You get this exemption or whatever. And uh, I said, I'm happy to walk you through it. It's a totally free program. Like you can, it's basically through the state of Florida or whatever. And we did that, and now he's sales tax exempt. He's like, I'm like, look, man, you want to stop inflation? You want to, like, carve 7% out of inflation? There it is, right there. Right. Like, you've just done yourself a huge favor, and your customer's a huge favor, because now you can pass that savings on to them. So, and um, it's just little stuff like that. He's been in business for 15 years, too, by the way. I mean, it's a long but, time to so, know that stuff. There are makers who, I don't know most people's extent to their decision making. I know when I first started, it, it took I it took a while for us to get on the on the straight. Not a while. We as soon as we started as a business, we went. I said I wanted to be completely one hundred percent on board. Exactly. If I have to pay it more, if I have to lose money, I don't care. I want this to be up and up from day one. I want everything yeah, to be you. crystal clear. If we ever get audited, I want it to be crystal clear. We pay more money to make sure that we're correct because I think that that's what you're supposed to do. And I think that there are a lot of yeah. makers who don't. Now, that's their decision. I'm not there to do it. If I'm that big company getting chirped at by people who are have no skin in the game, when I say skin in the game, they're not filing taxes, I'm assuming, or they're not doing things by the book, I'm going to keep chirping at them. I'm going to keep chirping at them. I don't need... I don't need criticism from people who are doing everything under the table and pretending to be very self-righteous. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. It'll bite you. In I'm the sorry, butt. but yeah. like, it's better to stay quiet at that well, point. I'm, I might, I, that would be, that would be irritating to me if I was losing business because some, some loud mouths on Instagram. Now I'm starting to change a little bit. You listen to me. I'm starting to, <laughs> I'm starting to evolve. In this big, I'm starting to evolve. Yeah. yeah. That are that are you know that are you know they they're holier than thou. However, they're I don't know what their situation is, and their mailing address is like you know a tin can on the side of the road. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I might I might have a couple cocktails and I might loosen my you know loosen yeah. my belt a little bit and sh- shots across the bow. I, I would be interested to know what the ramifications of, like, almost like, I don't know, what, what do they call that? Like, defamation of character kind of thing? Like, Either that or I libel. Mean, libel, yeah, there's, I well, mean, I know this saying is, like, something. not a litigious thing. Libel here. saying something, yeah. defamation is writing something. That's what Amber Heard got got bit <laughs> on because she yeah. had something, someone was written and right. it was inferred that Johnny Depp had, was an abuser, and that's defamation. It's harder to prove libel. Because you're just saying something, but if it's in print, it's easier. All to this prove. is public knowledge; like it's all out there; like it's all available for everyone to see now. And it makes me think, like, 
And I don't know if the lawsuit or whatever. That's right. silliness. That litigious stuff doesn't really happen much. Like people threaten it all the time, but it doesn't happen. But I just think like to myself, like how could I put my head like no matter what happened, like I would have to e- put my ego in my pocket. If somebody came after me like that and I said a bunch of, you know, kind of attack me negatively and attack the maker community, I would very publicly say denounce that statement and say like i don't believe that every single person in the garage is like a hacker or whatever i think it's i think that's a silly blanket statement that people shouldn't say i dislike the way you approach this and then i'd be done with it instead it just seems like it's boiling up and over and over and over and over and people are throwing their products away and it's becoming this whole thing and it's like, well, we got bigger fish to fry, you know, like, let's like make some stuff and sell some stuff and teach each other that, you know, it's okay for somebody to have like a misstep, do something wrong. And then, you know, just give that person a little bit of grace and leeway. And then, you know, cause there's a lot of these business owners and, and it's, I, I try to kind of keep this in my back pocket for when I get older is when the market changes when the when the environment changes in which things uh, which business is being done has changed to the point where you can no longer accept it because it's just never been done like that before and i am seeing a lot of my uh, older contemporaries going oh instagram fuck that i would never have a youtube channel fuck you and i'm like looking at them going you're you're stepping away from so much you should really consider these as ma- major market movers People are, are uh, you know, millions and billions of dollars of commerce is being done every day on those platforms. And if you don't take your piece of it, you're a fool. You, sh- you shouldn't think like that. And maybe I mean, this I'm a is, fool. This is coming the from the way. guy. This is coming from the guy. I mean, I've been telling you to get on TikTok for a while and, and you're not moving <laughs> on it. So you're right. But I do believe in social media. I, and I sure, just sure. think TikTok, I'm still on the fence about. I'm, actually, okay. I'm not. I just haven't taken the steps to make that happen sure. just yet. But. But if I just you, needed it, to deflate you just a you little can, bit. You could know? deflate me, Brian. I love that about <laughs> you, buddy. Uh, yeah, but yeah. we we look at commerce being done every day on these platforms and to think like, well, just because that wasn't done that way 10 years ago or 15 years ago doesn't mean that it can't be done like that today. In fact, someone – one of my um, – so my cousin's son is a YouTuber and he looks up to me a lot. He, he like really wants to be where I am in YouTube and – you know, and his my mom was saying something. My mom and his mom uh, are sisters, or his grandmother are sisters. So they were saying, "Well, you got to tell him he needs to go to college." You know, because this dream of being a YouTuber that is just that's just such a, a, a he's just got a better chance of going to college and being educated. And I had to sit them both down and, and tell them, like, I truly believe that the next big entrepreneurs the people who are going to really make an impact in this world are already on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok they're the ones that are ma- making major influential changes in the market and business and all of those things so if you look at it like that and you think well college is a good thing i think you you know i'm not saying don't go to school but if this guy's got his heart set on that you know don't discount that go ahead brian Coming from a guy who went to college for four and a half years and didn't end up with a degree and now have to spend $500 a month just in one of my payments I, and have nothing to show for it because, you know, I, I went into I went into it thinking I was going to be a teacher and then realized way too damn late into that degree that teaching isn't for me. 
and found my found my knife passion and kind of dabbled in that and dabbled in YouTube and trying to make this thing happen, you know, I really think I would be a hell of a lot further along if I didn't have this $500 a month out of my pocket every single month. How much of that could I have reinvested into my into my, you know, small business? But, you know, with when you're eight, 17, 18, when you're getting into it, you have to know what the hell you're doing before you go into spending that much money going into college. I'm so you know? glad you brought this up because I th- I know you guys have talked about this in the past on work for it. I think Ben brought it up about going to college and people thinking there's a, and I'm going to make a I'm going to make a subtle disagreement. Okay. And part of it's because maybe I believe when I was going to college, I thought I need to do something that I'm going to be good at. Not that I'm looking for a I'm not I wasn't looking for I'm going to college to be this. I thought I need to find something that I'm good at and then really hyper focus on that and then find something in that vein that I could be good at as a profession. Dad was a painter. Sisters were sculptors. I loved making things. I loved being a painter. I loved the art classes. I was just like, I'm going to be, I mean, it was like I was there in the sculpture department all the time. I was the art shop assistant from sophomore year to senior year. I was like the sous chef in this. I mean, I put people out. One guy caught on fire. I told him not to. His jeans are too furry. He didn't listen. His pants caught on fire. I put him out. I put out three fires. I was the fucking metal shop assistant at this fucking school. And in this, in my dad said to me, he's like, if you want to be an artist on the summer times, you need to work for artists. And I started interning sophomore year all summer for free to work as I needed. He's like, if you're going to be an artist, you got to work for artists. So I, I found that going to college helped me thoughtfully become a better, what I am now. It doesn't matter that it was like, I'm not Mm -hmm. a painter right now. I'm not an artist right now. The, what I learned in college has made me a better writer has made me more thoughtful in terms of organization and, and you know, the whole idea of, like, you have deadlines and mommy's not going to knock on your door and ask you if you've done your homework or not. It, I grew up, I created relationships with people. I learned how to deal with problems on my own without any help from my parents. It really, really made me a better person. And that's what I'm telling my kid. My kid's, she's about to be a senior and I'm telling her she doesn't need to go to college to know exactly what she's going to do. She needs to kind of find something, do the same thing I did. Find something, and then once you find something you're good at, focus in that area. And then take as many classes as possible, and you will grow as a person. So, Not, not to take the hard line on one side and then immediately lose my spine and, and do, change, but... Go ahead. <laughs> spine here's, out. Here's I'm with what you. I... I Here's what I truly wish I did. I wish, first of all, I would have taken one year and hyper-focused on figuring out exactly what I want to do with my life. And then I would have taken the first couple years of college. Yes, you're starting one year late, but in the real scheme of things, what does that really change? Um, I would have gone to like a community college to you know, kind of dabble – on the cheap, right. you know, if I'm if I'm going to be taking a bunch of classes that aren't really going to help further me in my you know in my path towards whatever degree I'm going to get, 
I'd rather not spend the buco bucks on going to a state college, you know, that type of a situation. That, that's what I did, Brian. I did three years at a community school, and I lived at home and went uh, to college at this uh, college called Rock Valley, which is like a small community school. I got my associate's degree, so by the time I ended up at NIU, uh, I had that all out of the way, and then I could focus on the arts. So I, I, like Jeff, I studied sculpture. That was my minor. And then I studied film and television and like communications, basically. And I will say, hands down, college did make me a more successful person. Even though I only stayed in the workforce for five, six years um, and, then, and then branched out to be an entrepreneur, it did seat me kind of in a good position to understand that I, I wanted to do something with those skill sets. I loved I loved all the time I spent it at school. But for some of these people to take out a loan for a couple hundred grand to go and educate themselves and maybe like you, Brian, like study something you thought you'd be good at or thought you'd want to do and then have it not turn out that way. Um, it's a big regret for a lot of people. So it's like I'm on the fence about it both ways. But I will say the path of the, the community college, the smaller state schools where you're not leveraging so much debt to get that education, I think is an important step because by the time you get your associate's degree and you're out of community school, you'll know if you want to go on to get your bachelor's mm-hmm. and, uh, and, or, you know, wherever master's to doctorate or whatever, but you can decide, is that the right path for me? Or do I have what it takes to be a student? Um, you know, I didn't think I did. I mean, I was told when I was real young that I was, I wouldn't be successful that, you know, that I wasn't uh, smart enough to really, you know, bring anything to the table. I'd, you know, either be like a mechanic or somebody just work with my hands or whatever. I was told this numerous times by a bunch of professionals, educators. And then later they just found out that I had massive comprehension problems. I have really hard time reading. And so once that we figured that all out, it was like, Oh, he needs the more audible type situation. He needs this. I learned differently. Um, that was all set aside and I was able to excel and I got out of school with a 3.94 GPA and, you know, moved on and did an internship with Fox television and did all these cool things that I would have never had access to had I not taken the time to go to school. But I, at the same time, in the same breath, I'm telling both or all three of my children, if they don't want to go to college, I'm okay with that. Like if, if they decide they don't want to do it, I'm okay with it. Uh, I would like to see them move on and, and get further their education, but you know if they decide they don't want to, I'm not going to pressure them. The interesting thing on this podcast, the Full Blast podcast, when I talk to everyone I've talked to, I would say a large majority of them hated school. College wasn't for them. And then they found something that they liked, and then they focused on getting better at that in you know, academic style. And my, one of my mm-hmm. closest friends, Jesse Savage, is the perfect, perfect. He's, he hated school. He hated high school. He had learning disabilities. He hated high school. He hated college. Didn't even like it at all. And he left, and he became a writer. He became a Whoa. writer because he loved writing, and he loved poetry. And he's, he's incredibly – he's just like, it was, school wasn't for me, but I needed – once I found something that I liked – he really pursued it. He had a, he and his wife had a bookstore and he would write and he was, he was published and, you know, Jesse makes, was a great writer, but it took him getting out of the academic standpoint to push 
forward into what he wanted to do. Same example. I hated math. I hated it. I was terrible at math. I failed every math class. I couldn't read a tape measure until I went to my first metal shop. And then they told me how to read a, a tape measure. And I had to practice, and I fucking hated it. I hated learning how to read a tape measure. And then now, I got real good at it, and I can, you know, I, and I forced myself, and part of me is just, I said to my kid at the time, oh, well, late, years later, I wish I liked math when I was a kid. Because now I like it. Now I like it because it, it has a value to me. And I think that that's the biggest problem with education is we're having a hard time finding what people yeah. want to do and focus them on what's going to help them down the line. But that comes with age. Brian House and B. Cohn. That's it. You know. The older it. I get, the more curious I get about certain things. Here's a great example. So when you do a lot of metal work or design work in CAD, you have to understand degrees. Right. right? zero through 360 and i've took uh analytic geometry and trigonometry in college because it was a requirement for me to get my my degree and i never really used those skills like i we were just i was just having this conversation with sarah i was like i think that the system is rigged a little bit against young people and it has been for a long time and this is where my i'm gonna get my tinfoil hat out and just uh, crumple it on and, and fit it right on up but um, the, the, the system is leveraged against young people because we need, we don't want, we need workers. It's part of the oil in our system that is the, the, the engine that is the United States military complex, which is something that, you know, we're the best country in the world. I, I fully believe in capitalism. I'm not against that side of things. I, I believe we all have our own place. But there's a whole lot of people who are not educated when it comes to finances, right? So they, they don't really fully understand how to leverage debt or how to understand credit card interest rates or how to pay the rent or what kind of income I need versus what kind of exports I'm, you know, the expenses that I'm, I make. Pete, you just don't simply get that education, not high school, none of it. It's, it's just not there. And it's setting these kids up for failure because they all get out of school with these dollar signs in their eyes and they think I'm going to go get a job making 25 bucks an hour. I'm going to be a, you know, do this, this and this. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy a Mercedes. I'm going to live the American dream. And then about five years of, of washing dishes or scrubbing floors or cleaning, whatever, doing whatever. And they're beat down and they realize, or they think that the American dream is dead because it didn't work for them. You know, they went through, they took the steps necessary, but they got, you know, they're on Instagram. They're looking at people with all these expensive cars and motorcycles and gadgets and whatever else. And consumption takes over and they think, I need that material goods to like be happy. And in reality, it's the exact opposite. You know, you need purpose, you need drive, you need work ethic, you need all these things. And you have to be smart. You have to rise up above like where your contemporaries are. You have to be a little bit better than them, work a little bit harder than them. You don't have to be smarter. That's the thing about America. You don't have to be smarter here. You can just work harder to compensate for it because we have the fertile ground that is that is the basis of capitalism here. Unfortunately, though, a majority of people never get past that. They don't climb up and over. They just see the hill. They see the mountain and they go, I'll never be able to climb it. I have to just stay down here at the base camp and hope, hope to God something comes for me and helps me. 
Well, I'm here to tell you, nothing is coming for you. Nothing is going to help you. There's no one that's going to, to grab you and, and pull you up that hill. The only person that can do that is you with your both your feet, and you have to walk up it. And I'll tell you, that's something that we don't teach our kids. We're not teaching them this, th- these tactics, these ideas. We're teaching them that, you know, hey, you go to school and you do this, you should be okay, should be okay. Well, I think there's a whole lot of people are finding out now that that, is a is a rotten bill of goods. I mean, it just really is. You you may not be okay. You've got to you've got to change it up and do some different but things. But what's so, the stemming of uh, that? I I I think I think that a lot of it is. I mean, you want to go tinfoil hat. Number one, when you started tinfoil hat, started talking that was. I have three atomic hot takes that will be on my last last podcast. Because the, I'll tell you when we're off You're the air. You're going to make us wait this long? I have, oh, I, if, man. I have three atomic hot takes that I will never be on a podcast again if I say them. Uh, we're going to talk about them when I turn this off. Three. Three. Okay. All right. I mean, atomic. This is huge. Like, I can't come back. I got to get you, off social media. Can you give us a realm of where oh, no, 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 no. It's, that's at? That's, you can't fuck around with atomics. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah, can't just, yeah, like, yeah, you can't brandish. Close. You can't brandish. Three Mile Island Yeah, stuff. you can't brandish atomic hot takes. You have to just say, I got them. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got the button. I'm not ready to push the button, okay? Sure. But a lot of it is, I mean, I've always, and a not-so-atomic hot take is I've actually always blamed, I've always felt that there's been this cultural, these generational, uh, dysfunctional family uh, generations. I believe, number one, that the greatest generation were ill-equipped to be parents. I believe that the gener- the greatest generation raised the worst generation of all time. Ooh. The baby boomers. Ooh. Ooh. I know you're, right you're where losing this is people. Going. They're this shedding not, off as we're, this as we're talking. Not, this is not the, and number one, this is not even close. This isn't even the atomic. This isn't close. This, this is isn't right. even close. This is even close to the atomic hot takes. I believe that I believe that the greatest generation were ill-equipped. I mean, God bless them. They they inherited after World War II a substantially good situation. They were ill-equipped to be parents. They tr- treated their children after you know children of yes. the Depression era w- didn't have all the things they wanted, so they rained down their newfound wealth on these children without a really good basis for raising children correctly and the baby boomers did a shitty job raising generation x and that is a huge part of why we have these generational situations where you you're having parents who are not telling their kids what you should be doing in order if i listened to my parents i would have had a i would have had a totally different out i would have had a, diff, a different outlook on life i wouldn't have been outgoing i wouldn't have been successful as a person as a in a a happy marriage the generate the the baby boomer generation's divorce rate was like through the roof when i went to school there was only one kid whose parents were divorced the divorce when i was a kid when i was a kid divorce was so commonplace that it was like everyone was we would talk to this one kid whose parents were divorced be like what is it like having married parents there was. I totally believe that the greatest generation did a disservice to the the baby boomers, 
and I believe that the baby boomers were probably the most entitled, the most ineffective parents for creating generational well-being for future generations. And now I believe the Generation X is trying to like, you know, have a little bit of angst. You know, that Nirvana angst was kind of like figuring out how to kind of like pull it together, and then they're trying to, but it's like. I don't. I believe that this is all huge generational problems. Yeah, I think you, you're on to something there. I also think, though, just to lighten the blame game a little bit from <laughs> this, is what I like to look at, how I look at it is, is we've done the best we can with what we were given. So, you know, if you go back in history and you look at all these generations and the different timing, it, like if you think about our generation right now, now I hear Craig talk about this a lot. Is like He's like, where we live in, for the most part, fairly peaceful times. You know, we're we're not uh, our young people are not off to a large war, and that uh, commerce is can be done all over the globe. You know, we're we're changing how th- people are buying and selling things, so you have like advantages there. And to take those two things and boil them all down to a better life, we can do that now. I think you know we can have better. But you're right about the um, the battle now is we've got an aging baby boomer generation and they are and I live in a place where there's quite a few because, you know, we call this heaven's waiting room here in Florida. (laughs) People come here to die and on their way out, they are stomping their feet. You know, I mean, it's just it's a thing. And, um, you know, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, I've, I've got a front row seat to that. So. Hopefully, I'm not that way when I get older, and and you know I've learned a lot from that type of thing. But generational um, blame, I I don't know. I have a hard time with the blanket statements like you know everybody in because I know it's not everybody. It's just it's just a particular group of people that gave a whole you know, one rotten apple just spoils the but bunch kind of thing. Number one, and I'm not saying you do this. Just remember, anytime someone says let's not play the blame game, they're always to blame. That's number one. <laughs> <laughs> that's always you can blame oh, me no, for no, no, no. It. I'm just saying that I'll take I'll take I remember I remember there were a few people who said well, now it's not the time to play the blame game those people who say that are always to blame that's number one number two <laughs> is the problem is is you end up with when you I don't, I'm not just blaming all baby boomers but I'm saying no, that there are there were opportunities for there to be changes made in society and changes made from I, when I think of society, I only think of my family. There were ch- there are changes that can be made and broken in order to make our children more successful. Here's a good example. My wife and I, we are we work we work hard. We both work seven days a week. My wife works harder than it. she's a frontline worker. She's been at the same place for a long time, and it's because we have gives us health insurance. It's a it's a steady job. She's got seniority. She's likes what she's doing. It's been good. And I've been running around trying to do everything else. We, but we're not like, we're not like, I'm the last two cars I had, I traded for sculpture. I have hustled to, to get where I'm at, but I'm not like living large. I'm wearing the clothes I've wore for the past, you know, eight years. I'm not, I don't, I don't have a lot of money. We made a decision when we were younger, when my daughter was younger, that we would spend money on her to travel because we believed that our job as educators for our kids 
was for her to see a bigger place than the small town that we're in in upstate New York. I know people who live in this town, grew up in this town, were, were 50, minute, 50, 50 minutes by train to Grand Central Station. I know people who've lived here for generations who feel as mm-hmm. though going to New York, it's the same as going to China. They are completely <laughs> terrified of it. I know that kids who, my kid, my kid knows how to take the subway. My kid can go, my kid could take the train into the city. She knows all the subway lines. She knows where all the places she wants to go in. And we've slowly allowed her to be able to travel, be comfortable with it. We've spent our money on travel because we want her to see the world outside of this little town. There's a lot of people who haven't. And I've noticed that it's been a huge part of her education to see Europe or see Mexico or see Canada. And Mm -hmm. you end up with someone you're creating more opportunity for that person just because they seen there's more than just this little sleepy town. That's a difference see, from that's, a lot of people. Yeah. And that's, that's what I see with, with my family from my small town. You know, I, we, we recently looked back in our, our, you know, their history and like the cones have been around the, the thumb or the Sandusky and the thumb of Michigan for like four generations and like all of the family members grow up and die in the in the thumb, never go anywhere. And now I am the only one who's still in Michigan from my family. Everyone else has like fled the state or even the 55 people I, I graduated high school with. There might be maybe four or five people that are still in the thumb or, you know, most of them. They I don't know if it's just this generation. They're realizing like, you know, the mobility is possible and you can get the hell out of the old town that you came from. But. It's it's bizarre. But it isn't just travel. You know, it isn't just like you grow up and you have to travel. It's having a different worldview. It's being it's yeah. being of it's kind of seeing what other people are doing and seeing oh, people do this over here which is different than us. And then all of a sudden having more mm-hmm. of an interest in like my kid wants to go to college in in, in California, which I'm not happy about, but fine. I'm not going to I'm not going to stop her. But she's not afraid to. A lot of her her classmates they're they're afraid and it isn't even a money thing it's they're afraid to leave far from the house and they're afraid for this worldview and i'm saying that that is one of the issues is this idea that how do you grow as a person if you don't have someone giving you the opportunity to say okay there's more to life than this you're not going to just be a waiter your whole life not that there's anything wrong i like the travel concept yeah i i i really like that concept of being able to travel with your kids and take them places and see places like that because my i did a little bit of that when i was a kid and um traveled into some real um kind of uh, more third world places and that really did set in my mind you know when you're in a bubble we're all in our own bubbles you know respectively you know you're in your peaksville bubble and i'm in my florida bubble and brian you're in your michigan bubble but like, for instance, I love New York City. I could never live there, but I love it. Like, I'll, I'll fly there, fly into uh, that area, and then just take the train in and spend a day or two there, because I love the energy of the city. And I think that, and I brought my all my children there, and they love it too, multiple times. And um, but at the same time, they all tell me like they could never live there either. They they like being there and enjoying it, but they couldn't live in that that uh, you know crowded environment. Um, but <clears throat> they get a chance to see what that's like and get outside of their comfort zones. And, and also, 
they know that they are not just in this one. This one little bubble is not like the rest of the world. You know, there's so many different dynamics that go on. And I think that that's where we as a society start to forget, you know, like there's people out there struggling every single day just to get clean drinking water. We mm-hmm. take this for granted, you know, and in in the U.S., by the way, I mean, there's places right near you, Brian, that have struggles with this. And um, I always think to myself, like, gosh, we don't have poverty here. And, the, you know, there's no real I you know, kept thinking this in my head. There's no real poverty here um, in my part of Florida. And then come to find out there's massive poverty mm-hmm. here. I mean, it's just people that are struggling every single day. And they don't have the abundance that, that I thought they did. So it's something I think about all the time. And I like our kids. Like, for instance, uh, our daughter's up in Pennsylvania right now spending time with her cousins. And she's uh, not squandering her summer. She's she's working um, at, a, at a horse farm taking care of horses as a volunteer and then also working at a food bank, you know, a couple days a week. She's 15. It's important for her to see these things. You know, the, the, these are the things that, that they should be doing. So with their time, now, it's important stuff. Going back to our last episode over on the Work For Podcast, we were talking about Steve Schwarzer and yes. my interview with him here. And we were talking about, he, he, if you listen to his the episode on Full Blast with Steve Schwarzer, he grew up, his father was an aer, aeronautics mechanic, and he used to build airplanes at their barn in their house and he'd take off in them and what steve was exposed to was not in was indirectly exposed to the potential that you could do as a person he was exposed to it it wasn't he wasn't he wasn't told by his dad like we said you're gonna do this when you grow up he saw that his dad was doing this stuff and he understood as, a, as an indirect way, what you can do as a person. And I feel like that's also similar to what we're talking about in regards to giving opportunities to your children that might allow them to say, hey, be, let's say B. Cone's children. B. Cone, B. Cone has kids. They're going to go to, you're in high school and you're thinking about college and you ex, you're exposing to my dad makes knives and he does all this stuff. And he, and it gives you the idea, or even with Brian, with all the, the with the, the businesses that you have and the, how high energy you have, your, your kids are in the shop and they're seeing these, these potentials that most kids don't get to see. These are the experiences that inform the decisions that they're, they're going to make. And that's kind of more important than any of it, right? Yes. Yeah. Teaching yeah. through example. I'm a big fan of that. Like, I want my kids to see me happy. Number one, you know, like not all the time, of course, but you know, short of a dysfunctional family, like somebody who's content with what they do, you know, content in their marriage and happy with their home life, and then happy with their professional life. That's what I want my kids to see. You know, I'm sure my kids are like sick of seeing me on Instagram. It's so funny because like Dexter, he knows all the stuff that I'm up to, even though we're not around each other all the time. He knows because he sees it on social media and uh, he's probably a little bit sick of it, actually. But at at the same and it's it's funny because they're not real social media lights. These these younger kids like my kids, they, they could care less. They're on it. They watch, but they're not participating. And that's probably heavily due to the fact that I participate so My much. My kid, too. But, at, yeah, it, it's one of those things, right? I mean, you just you want to differentiate yourself. 
uh, from your family a little bit as a means of independence, but which I think is healthy. I just it's interesting to me how much he sees of that. And then he'll say something like, hey, you know, I, I remember you saying that on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, you listen to the podcast? He's like, I listen to work for it every every time it's on. He's like, I listen. I download it every time. And I mm, think to myself, like, allowance is you know, what on it, a, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I mean got to keep know, that kid checklist. Honest, your you know. dishes, listen to the podcast. I got, I got him walking around with his That's phone, right. subscribing, telling people right, to subscribe, yeah. QR codes, the whole thing. Yeah, but uh, but it's important that our kids see us doing these things and understand that we're doing them because we enjoy them. Number one, and that we're enjoying our life. It was just like what you were saying about you and Tony running Fetter Knives, Fader Knives. It was like we want to enjoy our work and when it becomes not enjoyable anymore that's when we need to take a, an assessment mm. and i like that fact that you're able to keep each other accountable in regards to that because you know i there's been times where in long periods of my life where i ran businesses that i just absolutely regretted i hated it i was resentful of it and i shouldn't have lasted that long uh, but like a bad marriage, you hang on. You know, you want to you want to keep it going. You want to help it. You want to you know not give up. I don't want to be a quitter. But quitting in that instance was the best thing for me. I, it it made me a better person. I have a question for the both of you based on what you said and what I'm thinking too. Because my kid doesn't do a lot of social media, and she told me her friends don't do a lot of social media. They use social media to talk to each other, but they're not like mm -hmm. content creators. Do you think yeah. social media is going to – how do you think it's going to change over the course of the next few generations or next generation? Let's just say the next generation because obviously, as we all know, it's all the old gaffers on Facebook, really. I mean, you know, kids don't go on Facebook or maybe they do. I don't know right. about it. It's your aunt, your uncle, some old geezers who are like, you know – are we, as we call them, alter cockers, you know, all these alter cockers that you'd probably see all the alter cockers down in Florida. And then oh, yes. more people are, you know, the older, you know, a little bit more older people are going on to Instagram and then all the younger people are on TikTok. Do you think that social mm -hmm. media, people are going to get you know, generational, it'll be generationally expunged from society or just changed? I don't know because that it, it's so. It's so easy to sit down on your phone and flip through TikTok and watch seven seconds here, a minute and a half there. Where, like, I guess if you if you take the bigger picture, you know, the the older generations they watch the news or the the movies of their back in the day. That was that was their entertainment. And then Facebook came out and revolutionized all that. And now it it seems like everyone on Facebook is between the age of like 40 and 60. That That's like the, the meat of Facebook. Then you've the got spinsters, on Instagram, it's spinsters. right. Right. Of course, of course. <laughs> Instagram is somewhere between 25 and 40 and TikTok is the 25 and under crowd. Well, I mean, I think that as, as you're going on, you know, the attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I feel like we're at the point where, you know, TikTok with with a minute content is like a long TikTok. That it, it's it feels as if it's gotten to its or its peak shortness of of content. And I don't. I it's it's impossible to to tell where things are going. But you know, it. I would imagine it's either going to shorten and it's going to get stupid quick, and everything is going to be just you know meme esque, or maybe hopefully it'll turn around and we'll get back to like you know. 
actual content where you can really sit down and enjoy what you're or watching. Or do you think people there's, just... There's going to be a massive rotation here. I think you're going right. to see this where just like trends, the short you know stuff where you've got the reels, the TikToks and all that and the shorts, popular stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to consume, you know, content. Then, of course, I am now finding myself watching long form content on YouTube, not on Instagram so much, but on YouTube. I'm I'm pulling up long form content. Yeah. And I love watching it. Now I'm 45 years old and, and maybe there's just something about that that I really enjoy, because after a while, reels get hard for me to consume TikTok gets hard for me to consume like I like it initially it's entertaining initially mm-hmm. but then it gets old you know and I want yeah. something a little bit more like I don't want to have to keep making decisions even a swipe is a decision right mm-hmm. you have to swipe 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 and so I I really like the the the, the long form stuff on YouTube so I, I just think it's going to be a revolving door social media wise I don't I, you know it used to be back in the day I love this this uh this uh, analogy, there's a photograph of a bunch of, uh, it's an old black and white photograph of a bunch of people on a bus, and they're reading a newspaper. I mean, every single person on that bus has a newspaper, mm-hmm. and they're looking at it. And the con- and the, the, the uh, tagline underneath says, you guys spend way too much time on your phones. I mean, it's the, the old adage, right? You know, it's either it's newspapers, it's phones, it's TV, it's right. some sort of means to separate yourself from reality for a bit take a vacation in your head yeah and however you decide to do that no judgment well you know it seems to me thinking i mean i think about it because like fader knives would never have happened at where we're at if it wasn't for social media and i think that most people could probably say the same thing absolutely it, it obviously wasn't originally intended as an avenue for commerce Facebook was not intended to be an avenue for commerce. And I don't even think Instagram was. I remember when Instagram first came out and I went on it just because I had a terrible experience with an art gallery. And this art gallery wanted me to, well, this is kind of another story, but this art gallery wanted me to do a solo show and we prepared, prepared, prepared. And... The art gallery was, I was going to make all new work, and then the art gallery says, okay, you'll do new work, the show will go on for five, for six weekends, and you'll be here for half those weekends selling the work, and you'll promote it. And I said, and you're going to take half half the money? I said, this, I'll do it myself. I'll right. do it myself. I'm not doing this. Yeah, this is crazy. It. You know, yeah. and, and you're going to, I have to bring the people in. I have to sit in, in the gallery and, and do all this? Fuck you. I'll do it myself. That was, to me, what Instagram was. I'll do it myself. And yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. I, in, even in the beginning, I saw it more for commerce as opposed to, you know, or opportunities. You know, it wasn't for me. You know, in the beginning, I was, taking, I was still taking pictures of food and stuff like that. But for me, it was more along the lines of, I'm a sculptor in the Hudson Valley. Here's what I'm doing. And I wonder now if the younger generation isn't really ever doing that. You know, the knife-making mm. community is. The content creator yeah. community is. But the younger generation, or maybe they'll do something like a jackass video or something, and then some sort of aggregate company will kind of just repost it. And then that's the adrenaline drip. So I just wonder mm. how 
social media is going to change and is it going to go away? I, I tend to think it's going to change. This whole thing where now Instagram is pushing people towards reels, I find it to be constraining. They don't want to do reels. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, the thing that's bizarre with my situation is like I get 50% of my sales on Facebook because it's generally the older right. people on Facebook who have the money to drop on an expensive knife. And I also get 50% or probably closer to 40% of my sales on TikTok. That's crazy. Which is bizarre to me. I know it's yeah. super bizarre, but I think that it's it's the law of averages with it because there's just so many people looking at t- – like on, on Facebook, I drop a post and I get 100 views, 200 views or whatever. Whatever's in my little group or whoever swipes through and I get a lot of interaction with those people and I get a, a few sales there. Where over on TikTok, I drop a TikTok showing off a knife and it'll get 10,000, 20,000. Sometimes you go viral. I've got a couple of videos that are almost at a half million oh views. Oh, my God. Do I have to do, and then have you, to do TikTok, Brian? No, you don't have to. Of course, it's, it's not. It's each individual person. And of course, I'm kind of a younger person and I know how to work it and whatever. If it's not, if it's not your thing, people will sniff that out quickly and if – if you're only there because you have to and you're, there, and you're talking that, through your teeth, people are going to realize uh, that you're hating yeah, it. Yeah, but Brian, I used that, that, that thing where it turned me into like three guys and I danced yeah. around on TikTok. Nobody watched people it. People love it when well, I'm an old guy. That's because you're doing it wrong. People love it when I'm irritated. Is that what it is? That's like my whole bag. Me being irritated. It is yeah, your whole yeah. bag. In, somehow endearing. My goal, right. just when I ever, whenever I interact with Jeff, is to keep him calm. I don't need him getting the. I don't want the blood pressure to go up. I'm I'm always like, I need five minutes of your time today, Jeff. Let me just let's chat this out real quick. He's always very accommodating, and uh, you know, so like whenever we get on and do a podcast or something together, I'm always like, this is going to be good. This is calming. This is a good uh, interaction. Here. I have a low blood. Pr- I have I'm, low blood pressure on a podcast. I a lot of the craziness is is just because I know you know we need to spice things up once in a while. That's radio That's shit. True. That's None true. None of it's real. Yeah. I mean, it's some, some some of it's real, but it's like, you know, alternate universe real. It's true. None of this is So real. what are you guys up to so now? What it. are you watching? What no, we talked about movies the last time. Are you watching any movies or TV or what's 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 let's we were getting a little bit down in the down the gloomy dooms. What what's going on with you guys? <laughs> Con- want to go content, first, Brian? Yeah, yeah. For me, content uh, in the evenings. I'm typically I'm watching shows like Alone. I don't know if you ever watched this show where they throw people out into the wilderness, like ten people into the wilderness for so many days. It's on the History Channel. This is like my Alone. Thing. It's called this. Alone. This, yeah, it's called Alone. So there's ten people. They're put in a very hostile environment. Like uh, in this particular season, they're in Labrador which is like way north uh, Canada on the east coast of Canada. And uh, they have to survive by themselves with a camera. And they get 10 items to bring out into the wilderness and whatever. And, you know, it, right. it's a, it is a riveting show, riveting, riveting show. And they, and they make it very interesting. I'm watching that. And then also on Showtime, there's this new show that's like a mind bender called um, The Man Who Fell to Earth. And it's just a weird sci-fi type show where it's like it's like alien type deal but it's like a con- conceptual like very existential uh you know where well, it parallels real life 
kind of thing. So those are the two shows I'm like really into. And then of course YouTube. I watch more YouTube than anything else, and follow different yeah. people on YouTube. That, when you were talking about that show alone, the only show like I used to watch Survivor back in the day, and yeah, it's nothing. It like seemed that. like Club Med kind of. I kind of liked the Club Med aspect of it all. <laughs> And then when I was interviewing Joe Maynard, I watched his episode of Naked and Afraid, and it looked so miserable. Oh, and brutal. the bug bites, and he had a kidney stone, yeah. and he was going to die. Oof. And then I talked to him about it, and afterwards he said it was way worse. It was way worse than yeah. you saw. Way worse than what was being portrayed. And he's yeah. like, I was in the hospital, and they thought I was going to... He was like, he was on a bed for three weeks, and it was like... I cannot watch that suffering. I saw that. I saw the pictures from Kayla Cummings when she got off, and she had the bug bites yeah. from head she did, to what, toe like twice. And I was just like, three times. I don't know, but it was like, ah, God, I, I just, it doesn't look. And they all say, you know, even Joe says, I do it again. I'm just like, what? I cannot believe you would do it again. We're Stockholm freezing syndrome. at night and hot in the morning and <laughs> miserable and hungry and eating raw. Rotten eggs and here's the question: Is it Stockholm syndrome where they they enjoy the suffering of it and they they just kind of like oh well I've already gone so far into it so I might as well it's worth trying it again or are they so narcissistic that it's worth going through all of that pain that it's worth going on national TV to to do it? <laughs> I, I probably a little bit of both. I believe that narcissism started. A long centuries and centuries and centuries ago, and mm. this is a minor atomic hot take, but I believe that the concept of heaven and hell comes from originally to control people, but then it turned into our existence is so important, our everything must go somewhere, it can't be nothing because we're too important. So I think that narcissism was like groomed in us from a generational standpoint. Like, I'm just this is Jeff Fader is too much. I must go somewhere else when I die. I think that that's where that comes from. So, but I think that that's true. It's I think true. these guys have these miserable experiences and they want to do it again, and that's crazy. All right, so we've lost the boomers. We've lost the religious right. people. Is there any, is there oh, anybody else you want to? Dude, dude, when we turn this off. I will give you some atomic hot uh, takes that you can prom. You have to promise me that you'll never repeat. They will be my last right, episode yeah. atomic hot takes, and I will just it will be carpet bombing any listener I've ever had. People are going to be DMing me now. <laughs> oh right? no, no, no. Right, you have to. What I'll only oh, tell you if you promise me. I can't this say will be our bit. We're going to hold on yeah. to it forever. B Cone, what are you watching? Um, honestly, I don't watch a lot of television at this point. It's mostly YouTube, um, you know, YouTube and I'm making so much damn content on TikTok and all, everywhere else that I don't really have, I don't, I don't know. I don't sit down and watch a whole lot of, you Who know, do you watch form. on YouTube? I'm, I'm curious about oh, that. Oh boy. Um, like, I mean, it's a lot of knife makers, okay. um, you know, all, all the normal guys. Who's a, who's an unsung yeah. favorite, unsung favorite on YouTube? Oh boy, um, Gentry oh, custom yes. knives. You yeah, guys need to Gentry. watch. He yeah. his his videography isn't huge. He doesn't do. It's mostly he's got he's got his tripod and he's talking to the camera or he sets it up over his shoulder trying to trying to video what he's working on. 
But, you know, I, I was lucky enough to go over and, and meet him and I'm doing a collaboration with him. And I mean, that dude, it's for me when I'm when I'm making YouTube videos, I have to sit there and I have to think about exactly how I want to say things. And I do a couple takes and I do a couple different inflections and all the bullshit. But he has a knack of, you know, you put down a camera in front of him, one take, he's good, let's go. It's yeah. it's amazing to me. And to, yeah, to see to see that he can just sit down and do one take after one take after one take, and then you see the videos that he's putting out. I, I don't know. It's it's amazing. You learn and a also, lot too. of course, his 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 work is so damn clean. It's so and good. You have something going on right now, don't you, Beacon? <laughs> well, we're just we're talking about before the thing because uh, you know I, I did that that giant you know challenge collaboration with Brian House and all all of those other YouTube thing you know, for you, Dennis Terrell, right? Yeah, Dennis yeah. Terrell and Alien Knives. The first one was the Bowie one that I was a part. Well, the first one was you know the the what was it Santioku? Uh, was that uh, yeah? No, it was a uh, Gyodo. Gyodo, excuse me. Second one, they invited me on to do the Bowie knife challenge, and then we recently did the dagger challenge. And I I kind of expected you know I, I would do I would do it and maybe I would sell relatively quickly, but I, it's been sitting on the on the shelf for a while. And you know, I I kind of with with my knife stuff, I want to make tools. I don't want to make weapons. So a dagger is not something that you'll ever see out of me, probably ever again, unless somebody, of course, you know, if somebody throws down the money, I'll I'll make it for. There's a price for everything, but you'll probably never see a dagger come out of my shop again. And I made it out of uh, bronze my from Baker Forge, and I was really 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 proud of it. Did. Kind of well. I mean, for my small challenge, I ended up with uh, sixth place in this challenge. But so, anyways, I, I'm still holding on to it, and I'm thinking. I, I was. We were talking before the the podcast whether I'm going to raffle it off or if I'm going to discount it. Well, we were talking about doing a raffle, but you know, there's the legality bullshit behind raffles. Whether it's worth going into another one of those, I've done in the past. They've done well. I don't know. I'd raffle I'm, it off. Raffle you would raffle it off. it off? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Be the be the devil and angel on my shoulder, you know. What what what's the what's the conversation? Should we do you think I should raffle it off or should I knock it down in price and try to just sell it straight? Just think your your exposure goes up when you do those raffles. You know, and you get you get more people involved and people like to support your work. You know my take on that. Like it's, you know, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever to buy a ticket. You know, I might not be able to afford a five hundred dollar knife, but I can afford a fifteen dollar ticket, and I don't care if I win or lose. You know, I'd love to win, but I that money went towards a maker, and it, and it helps support their work. So I think in that particular piece is of notoriety. You know, it was in the it was in the challenge. So I think it's it would be something the that the community would rally around and want to support you. So that's I hundred percent agree with what Brian just said. We were talking before, and I get. I, I get – sometimes I don't go out of my way to help with raffles for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. And I said to you when before we did this, you should definitely promote this raffle. I get worried okay. for young guys. I'm afraid of – and I was talking to, to B. Cohen about this. I know that Josh Smith of Montana Knife Company had done a raffle – a number of months ago or a year ago, I believe, I'm pretty sure this is true for him. I'm pretty sure he's, he got into some trouble with a little bit of trouble. I think they worked it all out with some, some government in Montana that, 
you know, they, they pointed out that you can't do the raffle. Believe me, I believe that somebody just narked him out, honestly. And yeah. I think that there yeah. are, that's one of the reasons why people do, they change the R to a W because they think that it's going to change. I'm not 100% sure in regards to what the laws are in regards to these things. I don't know if they think it's gambling. I'm not 100% sure, to be honest with you. I always think that when you put a W in front of the in front of the R, it's the same as doing this to ward off a Dracula. You're doing the cross <laughs> with your fingers. Right. I don't. Be- I think right. that if somebody wanted to give you trouble, they could figure out a way to give you trouble. So I sure. just get yeah, worried sure. for younger guys. I get worried for small guys. I don't want them to be on the radar for any problems. That's my only fear. Is I fear for the guys like you are trying to make it happen and do whatever it takes to make it happen and i just don't know what that is but i think if you should if you want to do it you should do it i support you completely does that make sense yeah and yes i agree and i've i've done them in the past and i've i've kind of done the workaround where it's the you're buying a 15 dollars sticker and it comes with a you know free right. entry i mean there's there's a hundred different ways to do it and try to pretend like you're doing it on the up and up but Realistically, you're not. <laughs> well, what do you think, Brian? Uh, there's definitely laws against it. I don't. I don't hundred percent subscribe to that. Me I think that I, I just you know my my take on it is is this the, those laws are put into place for people who are taking major advantage of communities. You know, they're like going out there and you know raffling off certain like i you know the, you hear these stories about the, the the car giveaways at these like co- county fairs where you buy a raffle oh, ticket yeah. to get a car and you know there's 30,000 tickets sold and the car goes to somebody's buddy you know right. that you know just so right. happened to win <laughs> right. you know or whatever right. like just shit like that cuz it does happen um and and you know i think that's why those laws exist it, in my case, Brian's case, you know, these small ticket items, these things that people are doing to to generate buzz around their brand, you know, that's a great way to do it. And, you know, yes, technically there's it's, you know, not allowed or whatever, but there's ways around it. I, you know, I we've done um, raffles in the past where you donate money. And if you do that, then you can kind of like get around some of it. But um the 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 part about the raffle that I you know I'll go back to and, and talk about is that when I see somebody that is doing really cool things with their time trying to make a go of being even a part time hustle or whatever uh, I I'm like almost I'm a sucker for it I buy in and I very rarely ever win I don't I don't know if I've I actually did win one raffle one time. And I, but I don't care. Right. Like it to me, it, it was just like that money went towards keeping this person's lights on. You know, it's not like this yeah. guy's getting rich selling fifteen dollar tickets to raffle off a knife. Um, you know, it, nine times out of ten, they lose money on these things. Sometimes, you know. So the way I look at it is, if I can, if I can take a little bit of my money and time and effort, and I I think about this in the same regard as now that I have a little bit of social media influence, I also do this with my shout outs. You know, I take particular people who I really love and care about in the community and I talk about them. And it's just my way of, you know, non-financially committing to helping them rise up. And people did this for me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so I want to be able to return the favor somehow. Hopefully, you know, 
they get something out of it. They get something back. Um, but I get these nice messages all the time. We do this on Workfort Projects, by the way. If you listen to the Workfort uh, podcast, we uh, Brian Cohn came up with this concept called WFI Projects. And if you hashtag that on Instagram, we shout out people. So if your work is exceptional or you did something that you really thought was cool, we would go find that through. We just search the WFI hashtag and look at it. And and like anything that co- comes out or pops out at us, we talk about it on the podcast. Well, initially, you know, the podcast wasn't really big. We didn't have tons of people listening or whatever. So it was like, you know, kind of slow going. Well, the podcast now is kind of big and we all people are listening on the regular now. So we get we've got quite a following. So when we shout out a WFI project and a lot of times these people are people who maybe hashtagged at one time. They have like 50 mm-hmm. followers or 100 followers. And then all of a sudden we're talking about their work. They jump up to a thousand followers right away or whatever. It's yeah. like a super cool thing to be a part of, to, to take somebody who didn't really have the chance because the algorithm says they shouldn't, and we just blow past that with a shout-out. And that helps these smaller makers just kind of like climb up a little bit quicker. That is my favorite on our podcast when, we're, when we shout out a small guy. And I, I like to look up what their follower count is because if they're at that yes. like 50 or 100 and then you're back a couple weeks later and they've, they've gotten that little jump – First of all, that feels good, but also it feels fantastic because that's exactly what you did for my little small business because if it wasn't for you jumping me on the podcast or Dennis Tyrell getting me into the challenge, like my my little – I mean my my graph has gone you know almost, almost straight up because of you guys really pushing me out and really you that, know giving me all, though, the, all the bump, uh, which I appreciate on, the hell out of. I know you're appreciative of it, but let me say something too is that – the reason that occurred is because you took the time to shout us out, connect with us, send us messages. You really fully understood what it meant to stick your neck out. There's a lot of guys out there that, that you know, pride or ego or, or whatever, they won't allow themselves to do it. They won't, like, take that step, that leap and, like, say, like, hey, I want to I talk about this person or um, I want to connect with a bigger maker. I'm guilty of that, too. Like I feel bad reaching out to some of these, you know, bigger makers, um, talking to them because I don't want to bother them. You know, like I'm like, oh, I just I know you get a ton of messages. I just want to know, let you know that I appreciate you guys or appreciate mm-hmm. your work or whatever. Um, and nine times out of ten, they're very gracious. You know, everybody responds or whatever. We when I when you approached me numerous times to come on lives, invited me to do the live live streaming thing, um, and then we just kind of became friends on social media through that. It was a very, it was very, um, you, you were one of those very proactive people mm-hmm. who I knew that if I gave back a little bit to you, you would take that, that, uh, attention and you would quadruple it, you know, every time you were the type of guy that would not squander it, if that makes sense. So I felt very strongly about bringing someone like you onto the podcast because of, you know, the age difference, the position, your station in life difference, you know, things like that. And I thought it would be an interesting experiment to watch the rise of Brian Cohn to see (laughs) where because I'm essentially I'm betting on you, if that makes sense. I'm betting that you're going to be successful. I don't do that with everybody. That doesn't that's I there's not everyone's going to make it. You know what I mean? That's the way I look at it. And. So I'm betting that you're going to make it. And so I, I and I'm just going to be a part of that. You know, I'm going to help be a part of it anyway. So 
it's not just because, you know, we were nice to you and decided that, you know, we should be nice to you. It was because you really went out and got it. You you grabbed it. And worked for it. <laughs> Look at you. B-Cone. Work for it, baby. B-Cone Knives, Brian House. These are the guys from the Work For It podcast, Ben Butler, who couldn't be here. I'm sorry to say. Go right. listen. We love you, Ben. To them. Love you, Ben. On the Work For It podcast, wherever you listen on the Makery Network, I sent a message to Craig, tell him to send you the bumper. I don't know if he did or not. Hey. Sitting, he's sitting at home with. Oh sitting at ho- no, he hasn't. Well, he's sitting at home with COVID right now, so we'll we'll you know figure oh, it out. Figure that out. He got the COVID. Guys, go oh. listen to the Work For It podcast. I want you to go support. B-Cone Knives, whatever he decides to do with that dagger, get on it. Just listen to me. Hey, how about this? I will, before this episode comes out, I will make the decision. It'll be on bconeknives.com, and I'll probably post it on all the social media Go follow B-Cone K-O-H-N. Okay? Got it. Go follow Brian House, housemade.us. Is that right? That's the that's, that's it. it, and go listen to Work for a Podcast. These are great guys. These are my friends. They're you have an open invite, guys. Anytime you want to do this again, we'll get Ben on the next one. We'll do this again. We'll hang out. It's it's a pleasure, and I'm gonna give you the atomic hot takes once we turn this mic off, guys. Listen to. <laughs> thank you for listening to the podcast. We got a great episode coming up tomorrow uh, next week, and uh, go do me a favor. Go follow. The Full Blast Podcast on Instagram, that's where you can interact with the show. I show you, you know, usually the things that are going on and all that stuff. And go leave a review. Go subscribe and leave a review for the Work For Podcast. Go subscribe and leave a review for Full Blast. We need your help. The better we do, the better you do. The better you do, the better we do. You know what I'm saying? All right, guys. Thanks again to the guys, Beco Knives, Brian House. I appreciate you both. We will see you. We appreciate you. We will see you. Yeah, thanks for having us on, man. We will see you when we see you. Bye, guys. Bye. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. (laughs) 